the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer. More end time insights for your encouragement, your edification, your correction. I was reading in, let's see, where was I? It was in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm not teaching on this yet, but 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Paul is telling his spiritual son, Timothy, preach the word. So I went to the Amplified Bible and I looked at preach the word, and it's really neat because it talks about uh, you're going to preach the word and you are going to correct people. You're going to correct their doctrine. You're going to warn people. You are going to exhort people. And of course, exhort is a strong type of encouragement, but it's not necessarily a pat on the back. It's more a uh, kick in the butt. So hallelujah. Suppose that somebody said two out of three times, you're going to get yelled at. But that's the word of God, and it's done in love. Hallelujah. I got yelled at a lot as a kid. My folks really must have loved me. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, we're talking today about dangerous days. We're getting our verse, our teaching, our scripture from Second Timothy right before Timothy 4. We're going to Second Timothy 3. And I'm sure I've touched on this in teaching a few years ago. But today's 2023, we're closer to the return of Christ than we were back then. And these warnings by Paul to Timothy, they are more uh, appropriate. They are more needed today than ever before. So let me read you. I'm going to read you all first five verses. They actually have one heading, which is uh, perilous time shall come. And then they've got 18 characteristics of end time mankind's behavior. And we'll get into that, but I'm only going to do one of them today. When I teach, I'll stop at that. Okay, Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, King James. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. They shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, they'll be incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. They'll be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now, in the general context of all of that, to me, I don't believe that he's talking about the world, the earth dwellers, as it were, as the writer of Revelation refers to them, earth dwellers, people that don't know God. But he's talking about religion, religious people. And these are people sitting in your churches. These are people standing in your pulpits. And these are the people that Paul is warning Timothy against. 
Remember Paul and Timothy's relationship, right? Paul is a spiritual father to Timothy, but it goes much deeper. You know, there's a spiritual element here. Father has already assigned his son Timothy a very difficult task, and that task that he gave to Timothy was he, I believe, installed Timothy as the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And if you read the book of Revelation, you can see Ephesus is the church that what? that lost its first love. So Timothy had quite the assignment over there. Ephesus was also the largest church in Asia Minor. There was like 100,000 folks in that region. And it was a big assignment that Paul or God had actually laid at Timothy's feet. And, you know, Timothy, he's a young guy. He's learning. And this is also the book where Paul says, we've not been given the spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Timothy, like all of us, had some fears. He had some some concerns. He doubted himself. And Paul is constantly encouraging Timothy. But things that started off well, actually, in the church there, Ephesus, it was the largest church in the entire region. But now, persecutions, uh, grief, hardships, they were building. False ministers were filling the churches. And Timothy needed courage to face these trials. And so Paul sends out, a warning for us too, as he's warning Timothy, that son Timothy, church behavior will begin to reflect the world's behavior. And we see that, right? You can hardly tell the difference between the church and the world. You know, the church is supposed to be uh, infecting the world with Christian culture. And yet it seems the world's culture is coming into the church more so than we're sending out ours. So Paul warns Timothy that church behavior is going to decrease, it's going to devolve, it's going to become carnal. And actually, it was and still is a most dangerous time to be a Christian. And Paul says to Timothy, this know also. And so he's writing instructions to Timothy, and here he wants Timothy to know something. And it's a strong, I want you to know something. The the word used is a picture of Paul grabbing Timothy by the lapels, and saying, son, I want you to know this. You must know this. In addition to everything else I have told you, you've got to know this. It's just like, really, a a leader or a one in charge giving directions, strong encouragement, even a bit of chastisement to one who's serving under him. But Paul wanted Timothy to understand the importance of what I'm telling you. It's a stern, face-to-face type of warning of what lays ahead, and I'm warning you. It's not going to get better, son Timothy. It will only get worse. This know also that in the last days, he's telling him, don't forget now, actually, church history will record the last days as from the time of the resurrection when the church was started, when the church was birthed by the Lord Jesus, until the removal of the church, the rapture of the church. Those, all those days, this 2,000, roughly 2,000 years, they are what's called the last days. Now, there's different segments to the last days. And the phrase here, in the last days, in the Greek, it's actually eschatos himeta, and it's the final time. It's the furthest in time from the beginning. There is no more time left to this age, the last days. This is the last of the last days. It's like mankind has been walking the earth for 6,000 years in his last steps, and his foot is in the air, and he's about to take that last step, and it's poised for coming down. And once it comes down, that is the final step of mankind. That is when the uh, return of Christ comes. 
And so Paul has got that uh, environment. He's got that time frame that he's giving to Timothy so that he understands what he wants to know. There is no more time left to this age, Timothy. One has traveled as far as they can in time before we enter into the next stage. And for us, that's going to be the millennial reign of Christ. Don't forget the age of grace. It includes the church age. It also includes the tribulation. Thank the Lord for that. That means people will still have an opportunity for salvation while the tribulation is going on. But that's included in the last days. And after that, you have the thousand-year reign of Christ, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Greek word for that phrase, eschatosomer, or last days, is instesontai, and it means to stand in something from which you can't get out of. Leaving is not an option. These are the last days, and perilous times are going to mark them. And so the way this is all written, you've got... The, the last days, and then you've got perilous time shall come. You put it together, it's a time of great risk. It's a time of great dangerous, dangerous days. That's the title of the message today. And so they're dangerous because of the environment that people will be forced to live in. You can't go to Maui and escape for vacation from these perilous times. You will either be in Christ and removed from the worst of the perilous times at the rapture of the church or you'll be forced to go through them. You'll still have the opportunity for salvation, but there's a very good chance it's going to cost you your life, your freedom, your home, your family. So you want to be prepared ahead of time. Perilous times, it's it's worldwide. It's going to be over the entire earth. The thought here is that men will be bound to live in the time at this hour, in this environment, without an escape route. The whole world will be living in these risky times. In literally, eschatosomera, last days, men will be trapped in that time frame. This know also, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The Greek word there is perilous is uh, chalapos, and it means exceedingly fierce times, times of great risk, dangerous, harmful, hurtful to mankind days. These perilous times will leave everybody at risk. There will be risk for harm and suffering. You must understand that. And that's a promise from God. That's going to happen. During these days, hurt and harm will be there. And where does that threat of hurt and harm come from? Well, as you read on in verse 2, I'm going to read 1 and 2 together. I want you to understand that in context. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And that's so important there. This perilous times will be because men shall be lovers of their own selves. In the context, once again, it gives you the reason. Why will there be perilous times? There will be perilous times, times of great risk and great danger. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. The reason for the danger is mankind becomes self-absorbed. Men will be lovers of their own selves. Now, there's 19 characteristics of end-time mankind behavior that Paul is going to give to Timothy. And yet, the the first one, uh, this know also men will be lovers of themselves, that is one of the 19, 
But understand the other 18 are all a result of number one. Okay, so you follow that? Men being lovers of their own selves will lead to them being covetous, leading to them being boasters, to being proud. So all of that comes under them, under the men shall be lovers of their own selves. I'm only going to talk about that today because that's the crux of my message. You need to see what that looks like. You need to understand how now more than ever before in the world's culture, men are lovers of their own selves. And this self-love has penetrated every aspect of our culture. I'm a sports guy. I see it in sports. These guys, they give themselves the glory. God's given them wonderful bodies, wonderful healthy bodies, and they take all the glory for their sports accomplishments. We see it in man's lust for money, in his lust for power. So... Paul and Timothy, remember, this is the warning he has given to a pastor of a church. This is a warning that I'm giving to you. You must understand what is going on. Men will be the reason for this risky environment in which we live. The danger to men will come from men. Everything said so far in verse 1 is because of men being lovers of their own selves. The reason men will be the problem is because they love themselves more than anything else. And it's because they will be in love with themselves so much, this self-satisfying need will put them at odds with one another. They'll be in competition for the world's materialistic riches. They'll be in competition for the power, for the fame. We see it often. Even though during this time, at the beginning, early days of the church, there was much reformation taking place due to the impact that the church was having in society, there still were going to be threats and dangers. The greatest threat to the church has never been the persecution from outside, which hounded them in early days, especially from the Jews, right? They uh, were constantly threatening the church, and they were the threat to the success of the church. You know, the church, we've always been uh, full, comprised of good fish and bad fish, as it were, right? But here, the accent is placed on describing the danger from both people out of church and people in the church. And basically, when I say people in the church, I'm talking about the true church of Christ, the true church of God, which will also have at that time imposters in the kingdom of heaven, and they are the religious people of their day. And so we have that today. And the culprit, the initiative behind these perilous times, it will be because four men shall be. And basically, today's mankind, today's church people, right? God is the great I am. Well, this is the I am generation. It's all about me. Selfies, anyone, right? We love each other. How many times do you see people taking pictures of themselves? And they're, they're taking pictures of themselves sleeping, eating. I mean, I don't care, you know, your newest blouse. I really don't care, you know, your newest bra. Right, I need to see that, right? I mean, come on. We've lost our sense of propriety, and that's one of the 19 condemnations that Paul writes here in these verses. So, for men shall be the I am generation. They will be self-absorbed. They will be self-focused. Man or mankind will no longer live by the moral standard which God designed us to. It once lived by that moral standard where we cared for others before we cared for ourselves. Our entire nation used to be like that. Boy, has that changed. 
But nevertheless, they are now the I am generation. They're almost godlike mentality. They think they can solve their own problems. They can provide for themselves. You know, if they can't earn it, they can steal it or connive you out of it. We see that in the churches everywhere. God is the great I am. Men will attempt to assume that position, but the only way, the only place he will succeed will be in his mind. But that's where it all ends. Man's attempt to copy God's love will fail. Don't forget love, right? God so loved the world. God so loved us. So he sent Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall believe on him shall be saved. And yet that love that they're attempting to imitate, here's the deal. That love used to be turned outward to win the lost, to serve people. Now that love will be turned inward. It will be counterfeited and it will be turned inward. Meaning mankind will kiss themselves. The Greek word philautos from phileo, P-H-I-L, and meaning love. And autos, meaning self, autobiography, self, right? Philautos, all of that self-love, all of that self-centeredness, self-gratifying type of existence will naturally result in a spirit of covetousness. That's the first of the 18 that uh, will manifest due to this self-love of mankind. The Greek word for covetous is philaguros. I'm sure that's wrong the way I said it. P-H-I-L, Phil, love, aguros, A-G-U-R-O-S. Lovers of money better is how it should be reading. Greeting, men shall be covetous, they shall be lovers of money. But their love for money is not for the accumulating of millions of dollars uh, in wealth. It's really more about what the money can buy for them, things that will be pleasing to them. It's represented for our own creature comforts. And so this is one of the preachers that came to town last week, and he was focusing on this. This is the guy that made the comment that Paul had a materialistic mindset. And that's probably what got me started in here looking at this. And another preacher, I just heard it the other day. What did he say? He talked about the fact he's got a mansion, one of those prosperity gospel preachers. You should hear what he said. And he, he's proud of this. And he said that, you know, I've got 22 chandeliers in my home. Yes. And, but I can get past that. You do what you want with your money. But then he has to tell us this. And each one of those chandeliers probably costs more than your home. I mean, isn't that a wonderful, humble spirit by a representative of God? And people give this guy more money and more money and more money. What is what is wrong with us? You know, that's not the message that has to be in the pulpit, I'll tell you that for sure. Anyway, I want to show you, though, that these people, you know, you may think we're talking about the world here in this writing, but Paul is talking to Timothy about churchgoers. And he calls them in verse 4, they are tradey, they are heady, they are high-minded, they are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. So, do these people love God? Yes. How do you know? They are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They love God, but they love their pleasures. They love their money more than they love God. Now, some translations will read lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. They go back and forth, which is a difference. That would mean that these people are not so-called Christians or religious people. But then the very next verse, for me, clears that up. These people will have a form of godliness. Now, what does that mean they'll have a form of godliness? Well, for sure, the people 
that hate God don't have any likeness to God, but these people will have a form of godliness. They'll kind of be like God, right? And what's that? What's that? We call that what? Religion. They will be religious people. They will have a form of godliness, but they will be denying the power of God. And the warning is from such turn away. Let me put those two verses together. These people, they will love pleasure more than they love God, and they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power of God. They will deny the power of God to deliver them from their lust, from their greed, from their covetousness. And Paul is warning Timothy, don't follow these guys. Turn away from them. Run away from them. He's really not warning him against the people of the world. He's warning him against the people who are going to be sitting in your pews, Timothy. He's warning him away from church folk. And today, that's what I want the focus of our lesson to be on, that these 19 characteristics, specifically charging, getting off on this first one, covetousness, that is a mindset of people sitting in our church. If any of you are familiar with the prosperity gospel, the big mantra is God needs your money to promote the gospel, to send missionaries out, to grow the gospel. Well, some of that may sound good and it may sound innocent, but God told me decades ago, you don't fund the gospel, which is spiritual. You don't fund the gospel with carnal materialistic things. You fund the gospel with grace. You fund the gospel with your obedience and your faith. Faith and obedience is what will grow the gospel, not money. We've got that all wrong, but we've fallen for it and we give. Paul is talking to Timothy and he's warning him about all of this stuff. And he says, you know, Timothy, beware. This is the end kind behavior. They're going to come into your church and just be wise, be wise. God will reveal them to you, Timothy, spiritual discernment. If you continue to practice judgment, judgment is the birthplace of discernment. The church has been told today, don't judge anything. And that's why these false teachers, these false preachers are allowed in our pulpits because we're scared to judge because we think the judge means condemning somebody. No, the world will judge to condemn somebody, but that's not what the church does. Church judgment is to correct somebody. And so we have to get that right, because if we go back to judging people and judging things, not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake of correction, that will allow us to discern the difference between right and wrong. We've left that off. We need to go ahead and make sure that we're warned about that and that we can judge things properly. So Paul is warning Timothy against these people being in your church. And the enemy, guys, and I can say this about today, the enemy is no longer at the gates. No, he's way past there. The enemy is already inside the gate. And furthermore, it isn't the gate that the enemy has penetrated. It's not a generic gate. It's not a gate that's over there. It's a gate that you live inside of. He's not only inside the gate. He is inside our gate. He is inside my gate. He is inside your gate. He's inside the church gate. He's filling our pulpits with false doctrines, with heretical doctrines. And my point is we must stop feeding him. We must stop giving these false preachers our money. We must stop attending churches. We've got people that attend church, and we warned them in our Bible study the other day, and they're just blind to the truth because they've been feeding on deception for so long. You know, the church, you're supposed to go to church and hear the word of God because it's truth. 
you desire truth, God gives you truth. The Bible says the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. And yet, if you go to a church and you're not feeding on truth, your ears will become hardened to the truth and you will start recognizing things that are are false as things that are true. And you will become spiritually insensitive. And that's the problem with many in our church today. Religion and Christianity are at war to see who will represent Christ to this lost world. But the Bible says because men love themselves more than anything or anyone else, they're going to become covetousness. And this covetousness will allow us to receive things that are not true. Religion has imposters painting a picture of God, which is false. That is the God that we are presenting in our pulpits today. We don't know judgment. We don't know God. We don't know how serious God is about our souls. And the pastors, they don't protect our souls. Otherwise, they wouldn't allow some of these false preachers into their pulpits. Anyway, I'm out of time. We'll pick up next week. We love you in the Lord. Have a great week and read your Bibles. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.